Father, as we come to You today, God, we're here because we're looking for things. We're looking for uh, things some of us uh, have uh, accepted Your Son and, and Your things, God, and living, uh, trying to live the way that You want us to live. There may be others that are trying to figure things out, things out in their life and things about uh, You and who Your Son is. But God, Your Word speaks to us and helps us. So open up our hearts and minds and that everyone today will leave with something that uh, is encouraging to them and helps them, Lord. And that includes all of us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. When we're looking for direction in life, we always, and let me say this again, when we're looking for direction in life, we always can find the answers in God's Word. When we find a relationship with Jesus, the Spirit of God uh, brings His Word to life. And this when we have that relationship with Him, we can trust His Word and the direction it provides uh, for us now, not just now, but forever. And the books of First and Second Peter are filled with so much direction that applies to us today um, that it could have been written right now in our time, but it was written 2,000 years ago. And the, the, if you go to the English Standard, that's the Bibles that are in the racks in the chairs there, and that's the one that I am preaching from today. But the English Standard Bible website dates the books of First and Second Peter between uh, 60 A.D. or after Jesus' death, 62 I mean, and 67, 68 right in there is when these two books were written. But the application for us today is just amazing when we, when we look at it. So grab a Bible. If you don't have one, there should be one somewhere close to you in the chairs there. But turn to 1 Peter. It's in the New Testament. Turn to 1 Peter, the first chapter, chapter 1. And I hear some pages rattling, so I'll give you a second. 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to read uh, verses 3 through 12, okay? Starting in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power is being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. 
Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things in which the angels long to look. Isn't that cool? The, the things that, uh, that we read there. But here we read the words that Peter has written to remind us of our hope and our inheritance of imperishable and eternal blessings that are kept in heaven for those who trust Jesus and the salvation that comes through Him, through Jesus. That's a reminder to us. And in verses 6 and 7, we're reminded that we're going to have various trials to test our faith. Have you ever been tested in your faith? I think I can safely say if you're not, you will be. So uh, just hang on and give it time and you'll be tested. Yeah. Uh, Charles Swindoll says it so well, and, and uh, we're going to have it on the screen here. I, uh, when I was studying, I come to this and I wanted to pass this on. How do we react when suffering comes? Many crumble at the mere thought of another pain or trial. Others rise to the occasion. Most of us are probably somewhere in between. Peter's encouragement to his Christian readers is one of perseverance in faith. It isn't enough for us to simply get up every morning and trudge through each day. Neither is it advisable to paste a smile on our faces and ignore troubles. Instead, the lesson of 1 Peter is to push through the troubles, recognizing their temporary presence in our lives while walking in holiness and hope as a people of faith. So, press on. It is in the darkest times that our collective light shines brightest. Isn't that good? That, that explains it. Well, if I could have written that, I would have, but Swindoll did, so uh, he gets the credit for that. Um, and then in, the, in these verses we read out of 1 Peter 1 there, I love in the last three verses we, we read and get a very clear picture that Peter leaves us by explaining how the prophets were talking and writing about Jesus. And they didn't understand all the things to come. They were talking about things and writing about things that God's Spirit put on their heart. And uh, they trusted God and brought us the good news, even though they didn't get to hear the story of Jesus until later. Isn't that, isn't that cool? And then Peter said they were not serving themselves, but serving you. So what he's telling us here is the prophets were uh, talking and prophesying about the things, the coming of Jesus and the, the salvation that was going to come through Him. That was done on our behalf. 
for us, for our good. And you see, you see why the Old Testament is important and how all of God's Word comes together perfectly? Even the angels were looking and waiting to see what was going to happen as God revealed a plan to rescue us with His Son. And that's the story of Jesus. Um, as we read further down in the chapter, stay in First uh, Peter there, look down at uh, verses 13 through 16. It says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, You shall be holy, for I am holy. Um, I guess what I think of in this is Peter reminds us to be obedient and not conform to the past way of ignorance or ignorant of life that we had before we were changed in our relationship uh, that we found in Jesus. But um, I'd be the first one to admit that I'm not holy in myself. But God called me to be uh, holy and live a life of holiness. And Jesus fills the gap between our brokenness and the holiness that God desires. Isn't that cool? Because aren't you like me? Do you feel completely holy? And do you feel like you got everything completely squared away and stuff? No. You know, if we thought that, we would have some other problems to deal with, right? <laughs> um, but we can be holy because of what Jesus has done for us. And Peter gives us some pointers in chapter 2. And he says, stay away from the passions of the flesh. So that's the thought there. Look in, uh, just look over in chapter 2 now of 1 Peter in verse 11. 2 verse 11 and 12. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which uh, wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. We, we live in a world that tells us the passions of the flesh are okay, that we need to take part uh, in things of the world that are contrary to what the Bible teaches us. And it's a battle between the things of God and the things that the devil would have us to do. And this is a very real struggle. And because if you're like me, the things of the world around us can uh, drag me down. I'm sure it can do that with you too. Do you ever get mad at uh, things others do? Can you nod your head? So, I, yeah, okay, there's some that... I, I'm not the only one. That makes me feel better. <laughs> Let's just, for sake of argument, use politicians, for example. <laughs> right now, it's very real in our minds. 
Okay, so that'd be a good example, right? So listen, uh, listen what I'm thinking here. I can't accept much of what's being brought into society by these people who think I should follow them. But I must remember, if they don't have Jesus in their hearts, the ignorance of the world seems to make sense. That's something that I need to remember. So my responsibility is to take opportunity to tell others what Jesus has done and how He changes our lives and let Jesus change the hearts and minds of those who are blinded by the schemes of the world. And this applies across political lines because I see, I see brokenness on both sides of the fence. Um, sometimes we're, we just feel like we're, do we want bad or really bad or, or completely broken or mostly broken and stuff. It really isn't a lot of... Uh, uh, option there but that's where we once were before we believe and placed our lives in the care of Jesus and the things of his father God's spirit changes us um, so what are we to do how can we help others if they don't know about Jesus that's what the church needs to be thinking about in Turn over a couple pages into 2 Peter, the book of 2 Peter, chapter 1. <clears throat> and we're going to start in verse 3. 2 Peter 1 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. See the things we're talking about right now? For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours in increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities Though you know them and are established in the truth that you have, I think it is right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by the way a reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, and I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be able at any time to recall these things.
Peter mentions in verse 4, escaping the corruption and sinful desires of the world. He goes on to tell us how to supplement our faith with virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. Wow, what a good list of personal qualities, huh? Isn't that a good list? God will help us with these if we ask Him and look to Him for direction. You see, if we have these qualities, um, we can help people we meet in life. These are characteristics of a person who has been changed by their relationship with Jesus, and it is evident to people who are living, uh, that we're living life with. Peter says it's our calling. You want to know what your calling is as a follower of Jesus? Well, look again in verse 10, chapter 2 there. He says that, uh, um, or chapter 1, excuse me. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. So, One of the things that God wants us to do is have these qualities and pass them on to others. Huh? Isn't that nice nice to think of? And in that way, we can help others find out about what Jesus has done and what Jesus can do for us. So, I want to wrap up kind of with some thoughts uh, uh, that Peter writes in in uh, um, First Peter. Flip back to First Peter again, and we're going to look in chapter three and look down at verse um, thirteen. I like to hear the pages rattling around the room here. First Peter three, verse thirteen. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame, for it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. If we suffer for what is right, that's okay. It even says we'll be blessed. But we need to be prepared to make a defense for anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. We can do this because we can tell people the story of Jesus by telling what He has done for us. That's you and me. It's not complicated to tell another person something that happened to us. It's because it's our story. And turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. Let's look at Luke chapter 8. And we have, a, we have a very good um, story here that illustrates what we're talking about. <clears throat> Starting in verse 26, Luke chapter 8. 
Then they sailed to the country of uh, Gesserines, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from a city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him, and he was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these, so he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and the country. Then people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting uh, at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Jesserines uh, asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home, and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. See, here was a man that had been tormented his whole life. You heard what I read. I mean, horribly, horribly tormented by the things of the devil. Um, Jesus healed him, and then he wanted to just tag along with Jesus. Can't blame him for that, could you? Yeah, that'd be your new best buddy. <laughs> uh, and uh, Jesus, But what does Jesus say? No. Jesus says, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. Um, so he's going to tell others what happened, and he told the whole city. The people knew it too. They had heard, but then to see the man that the stories were about, that would have been something. But uh, we can do this too. And, and I wonder how many lives were changed because of this man's story of what Jesus had done. Um, and my challenge to you is to ask God to help your faith with virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. It comes from Him, and we can tell others the story of what He has done for us. Jesus cleanses us from our sins and set us free. Probably 
if you think in your lives different people that you have seen change, you know, many times people get involved in things and it's like a fad or a time uh, um, that they get involved in in their life. But when Jesus gets a hold of people and they change and it just keeps hanging on and it keeps hanging on, then people have to deal with the reality of the changes that were made, don't they? We've seen that happen. We've seen lives change because of what uh, uh, Jesus can do. And we're in this world that things are difficult and people are looking, people are frustrated. We see that and, you know, we apply it in our time and think it's worse now than it's ever been. Well, I don't know. There's probably people that would argue with us. The The time of the Romans and Nero and stuff, I mean... You know, when they're feeding Christians to the wild animals and things and uh, in the courtyards and the things that they were doing, you know, uh, people would probably argue. But the fact of the matter is, is things are hard because we're living in a world that is broken uh, from sin because we chose that. Uh, and God made a way through His Son, Jesus. And so as the worship team comes, we have an opportunity for you to uh, um, have someone to pray with you. You may want someone to pray alongside of you. Uh, for others, you might be asking God if, to help them. Uh, and that could be family or friends. So we give you the opportunity of that. You might have questions about baptism. Or you might have questions about membership uh, things that you want to know about the church, but we'll pair you up with someone. John will be over here at the door when we sing our closing song, and uh, um, we want to just give you that opportunity. But my challenge to all of us is is uh, tell your story. Tell the story of what Jesus has done for you and how He has helped you. That's the thing that will apply to others in life that are looking for the same things that we once were if we were uh, uh, searching. So uh, go ahead and stand up and we'll sing our closing song.